0: Catch a pitch from the Carlton Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches
1: Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johanesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches, Coaches Panel. mess normal Football Club. This is Matt Fyfe from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. <laughs> 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 My friend, we're getting close to wrapping up the 50 most relevant for 2020. And just as it ends, the pre-season games get underway. Number seven in my 50 most relevant is who I think's probably once again going to be our number one defender in 2020. I'm talking about Sydney Swan, Jake Lloyd, to talk about this absolute superstar from a fantasy footy perspective. I've got Tim back. Hello, buddy. G'day. How's it going? Mate, it's good. It's, it's crazy to believe that while his ownership is quite high still across the formats, he's not this... Straight up selection in a lot of people's sides. And while there may be some cause for concern, there is a lot to like about Jake Lloyd. Still just the 26 years old. And from a fantasy footy perspective, there's not many that can compete with what he does right across. His best score last year in AFL Fantasy, well, it came against the West Coast Eagles. It was a 149-49 possession game. While in Supercoach, it was just a few rounds earlier against the North Melbourne Footy Club, 141 in that format. If you're looking at his averages across the year, it was a 107 in Dream Team and Fantasy and just shy of the 109 mark in Supercoach with a 108.9. He's on the pricier end of the scale when it comes to defenders, and understandably so when you do look through his data. Just a touch shy of 600000 in Supercoach, not far off the $800,000 mark in AFL Fantasy, and just a touch off the 775000 in AFL Dream Team. For years, Tim, we've talked about Jake Lloyd, and that is because from a premium defensive line, He just ticks every single category off incredibly well for us in every single format of the game.
0: He does, yeah. He's been just basically a premium defender for, I think, the last few years probably. He's been up near the top of the board. Um, All formats, like even category leagues and regular draft leagues and everything, he's been uh, one of the first picked in defence for sure. He, He doesn't even miss any games and get injured, doesn't get suspended, doesn't really change his role except to get a bit more of the ball. So um, there hasn't been much not to like about him.
1: No, there's been very little reason to go, oh, look, I'll probably pass on, on Jake Lloyd this year. Even last year, um, some would be a little bit concerned by a, a latter part of the season, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But last year, he was fourth in the AFL for total kicks, seventh for total disposals, third in the league for total rebounds, fourth for total meters meters gained, and fourth for total effective disposals. From an overall AFL fantasy and dream team perspective, he was Ranked 18th for total points while it was 17th uh, for total points in Coach. Again, there were some big, big numbers being posted last year. He had 25 possessions on average a game. Um, it was absolutely flying five score involvement, six marks and seven rebound 50s. He is, you're right, one of the elite defenders for us uh, across the formats and has been for multiple years. Last year. Just purely looking at AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for a moment, he averaged 107 across the season. It comprised of 14 scores of 100 or more. He was able to convert eight of them into scores of 120 plus and three of them above 130. And as great and as consistent and high as those hundreds are, he only dips below 80 in just two games. And really, there's probably only one cause for concern. In round 15, Gold Coast tagged him. To a score of forty eight. No defender got anywhere near the level of consistency of scoring and pretty much the frequency of one twenty plus scores that Jake Lloyd did.
0: No, that's right. That's right. He's um he's just a bankable player really. Like you put him in your team and you know what you're gonna get. You can expect pretty safe scores from him um pretty much every week. So, you know, from that point of view he's been really consistent and I know we sort of mentioned he doesn't miss games either. The actual was that you just missed one game in the last four years. So yeah. It's just another thing, Like along with his scoring, that um, one game in four years, I mean, you'd take that from anyone.
1: Yeah. In, in any line, you'd take that level of durability, that level of consistency, and that level of ceiling. And yet, these are arguably M8, M7 sort of midfielder numbers that we'd be happy with in our sides as a defender. This is extraordinary. In Supercoach, he averaged 109 across the season, 16 tons throughout the year. And in fact, between round one and 14 in Supercoach, only only one of those games he didn't turn up. Yeah, that's how good he is in terms of his consistency. Uh, Seven of those 1600s, seven were over 120, and four were over 130. While it was that game he got tagged in the Gold Coast Suns, it was his only score beneath Similarly, in 2018, from an AFL Fantasy and Dream Team perspective, 11 tons, 9 over 110. While in Supercoach, 14 tons, and 12 of them were over 120. That year, he averaged 101 in AFL Fantasy and 112 in Supercoach. Even 2017, he's averaging around the 90 marker across all the formats. He well and truly is, mate, the perfect defensive premium. He ticks all the boxes. Ceiling, frequency, durability, High-scoring basement, and yet he's not in fifty-plus percent of sides. What do you think is the thing that's turning people away from wanting to start Jake Lloyd in twenty twenty?
0: Part of it's probably the buy round. Sure, because there's a few other um, defensive premiums in his buy round, and you know some people will be starting Doherty or uh, just generally betting against Lloyd, I guess, on that regard. Because if you've got one or two others from that buy round, you might think, look, you know, can you repeat it? It was his highest ever average last year. Um, You know, is is he going to drop even a few points and you pick him up later? And I guess the trick with that is that if you aren't starting him due to having too many others in his buy round, then you're kind of committing to not getting him until round 14, which is a fair chunk of the season to not have potentially the number one defender.
1: Well, that's right. And remember, the start of his season last year, again, purely focusing on Supercoach at the moment, he had just the one game that he didn't turn up before the buy. If you're choosing to go against him and waiting, oh, I'll just get him on the back half of the season. You, your back half of the season might be gone at that point. Yeah,
0: well, it's it's certainly a risk reward pick, isn't it? You know, you'd be kind of betting against him doing what he's done for really the last two full seasons.
1: Yeah, except
0: the 2017 as well. So uh, on that note, like, would there be cause for concern? I know you touched on that. He, finished the last year wasn't particularly
1: great? Yeah, well if you look at the past five weeks of the year he, he posted just the one ton across all formats of the game um, so he averaged 92 across the formats um, during that time and while you go, oh is not bad, that is a scoring dip of about 15 points from what he's priced at because prior to the final five games he was going at 111 in AFL Fantasy and 113 in Supercoach. So I think the key question is well, is the final five weeks an indicator, or is there something that took place in that final five weeks that we don't need to be too apprehensive about? Here's what the thing is, though. When you look at the final five weeks of Sydney's season, their year was shot. that They weren't making finals at this point on. They were really clear in starting to experiment and trial different things. It's one of the reasons why we have Jordan Dawson um, as a defender this year. Yes, he was playing some defensive roles prior to the final five games. I totally agree. But he started to play through some of that key distribution role. And we started to see Lloyd... play a little bit higher up, up across the wings. Um, n- not in isolation. He certainly still played through the defensive line. Um, but we did start to see Horst Longmire experiment with some new things. Now, is that going to be the norm of 2020 or is that just the, a year is done and it's experimenting? We are in part, I, I believe, I'm, I'm not sure in your take, Tim, going to need to see what the Marsh pre-season games in just a couple of weeks show us. I'm probably more of the indicator that I think it's the exception to the rule rather than this is the new normative.
0: Yeah, we definitely have to monitor the well, I say the pre-season. We're sort of nearing the end of the pre-season now, but definitely uh, those sorts of games and just to see what horse says about it, if anything. Um, Although we do often see this sort of thing, like you say, when teams are have got a few games to play with to test things out. And uh, when the whips are cracking, I mean, the best players tend to play in their best position. So. Mm.
1: And, and you think about what Sydney's gained in their side over the past few weeks. And while Lloyd's definitely got some outside class about him, they've gone in this most recent AFL draft and pick up Dill who who's a really silky ball user, you know, can play on the inside, but is much more of an outside type of player, shows some moments where he, he looks like a McRae or a, or a Kelly on the outside. Um, you've got an Ollie Florence is another one who can play inside, but probably better suited to the outside on the wing. So uh, that's why for me, I, I'm still really confident he's their predominant ball user off halfback. Um, And he's shown over the past few years, he's got durability, ceiling, consistency, and basement. Um, I'm a little apprehensive to take him on, and I think that's a really interesting point. And I do want to get your take on the buys, which you touched on, is how many of these popular big-name guys in the lines can we take on? I'm hearing people going, I'm going to take McRae on, I'm going to take Gorn on, I'm going to take Lloyd on, I'm going to take Dusty on, who, who we talked about just yesterday and the 50 most relevant. How many of these big, perceived, safe top five or six premiums can we really take on before we start to get a lot of risk in our side?
0: That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the answer is um, you can take on whichever ones are going to drop in scoring. Yeah, um, <laughs> or you've, got a, you've got a similar scoring alternative. So as to who that is, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing and yeah. I'm sure we'll all be... You know, hindsight heroes in about three months from now but um, look you probably just got to look more at the risk factors so someone like a Dusty or a Grundy if they're not going to change their role they really don't miss games and Lloyd's in this same category know, yeah. so the scoring hasn't changed for a while in the right role and if you don't see any reason for anything to change then it's you're kind of really hoping that something unusual happens to take yeah. them on um, someone like Gorn who's Bit injured at the moment, possibly a little bit of a different story with sure. a bit of an injury history. So you've you've just sort of got to have a reason to do it. And for Lloyd, you know, it's not injury, it's um, it's not age. It's um, it's just more about hoping that his role changes enough that uh, he drops enough that it's fine for you to not have him for three months.
1: Yeah, and that is the thing: is what gives you that worldview, what gives you that fantasy footy perspective to go. I believe it's going to happen like this. And uh, if you're all in on that, absolutely. Here at the Coaches Panel, we will never, ever tell you, you must do this. This is the correct approach. Rather, we will do everything we can to present all the facts and all the information. Yes, certainly share what we might do or our leanings towards is, but at the end of the day, it's about empowering you, starting the conversation and giving you the tools to make the correct decision you believe for your fantasy footy side. You, you do talk about the multi-buy rounds um, through there, Tim. When you want to look at the options that are coming through that may or may not present for you is Sam Doherty, who we've talked about earlier in the 50 Most Relevant, Basha Hooley, Jack Crisp. Um, potentially, Connor. Uh, not Connor. Um, Connor Blakely. I suppose I better say him. Um, you've got a a Luke Ryan um, Christian Salem. These are just some of the defensive line premiums that you might be factoring into your site. And there is, much like we talked about a few days ago with Stephen Cornelio and the premium midfielders off a the line. There's only so many you can have before the buy round. And whether you choose to take on Jake Lloyd or whether you choose to just pick him will be a fascinating thing. Last question for you, Tim, before we do look at where it is as a draft. Say he does average closer to the lower part of the 100 rather than the pushing around the 110 marker, which is where he's priced at for us across the formats. But say he does pull that average back that's what we saw a bit towards the back of last year is a bit more, more reflective. So he's around about that 107, 108 price point is he still worth starting even if he drops down to a 102
0: 103 uh if it's only a few points like that I, I really don't think you lose too much by having him yeah um it'd be more if he drops sort of 10 to 15 then it would be worth not having him until probably round 14 yeah because um I guess the the thing with the starting thing is a bit about value so The One reason people wouldn't start with him is not because they think he's a terrible pick. It's just they would think there's better value elsewhere. And, you know, they'll get a bit more bang for buck in the first few months not starting him. So, basically, that look, I think if it's a few points, it's it's fine. Um, It's probably more of it's 10 to 15. If you think you'll drop that, then you're probably gaining a little bit more that way.
1: Yeah, all right. So, that's my
0: personal take
1: on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anything around, you know, the five or less sort of a drop it's that you can forecast probably still worth that opening selection, knowing what he could do if you're wrong in revert, you know, on the other side, if you believe it's a 10 plus point differential, then maybe he could be the one you look to take on and then bring him in either before the buy or, or if you need to make that correction, if you're wrong or after the buy, if you believe that's, you know, he's still going to be around that 90 marker. Uh, mate, where yeah, does he? Sure. I
0: know, Sorry, I was going to say, I know a lot of, some people say, look, you need value in every pick in your start team. And the reality is, you're just not going to get no. 30 value picks. No, you're not. I um, know where you can aim for it, but um, when it comes to the very top in the line, occasionally it's, you know, safe score is, is fine. It's just more, a little bit more of a how much you
1: weight that, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right on the money about that run. Where he goes in a draft, though, is fascinating. I do believe he'll be the first defender. Off the board as much as there's the preseason hype about Sam Doherty or consistent guys like a, a Laird and a Crisp and and Zach Williams and all these other players that have featured in the fifty most relevant. I think he's the first defender off the board. Where does he go? Is it anywhere from you know pick five to around about twelve that he's disappearing in drafts? Where do you think he goes?
0: Yeah, that's where I would. Uh, I'd say probably you know mid to late first round. Yeah. Um, so. What do you- Similar to you're talking mid-100s, like 105-ish onwards, and uh, it's pretty good for a defender. You'd take that as your first-round pick. Um, It might change slightly if it's a draft league with captains on. Yep. Because as you said, he played every game. He was a top defender, but he was still only 17th or 18th for total points, which suggests that if you need captains in your league or even as the top defender, he's not going to be as good as someone else you might pick up as a captain. Um, Yeah. So it might drop slightly there, but um, look, I don't think you'd be too disappointed with him if your first round pick.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you've got no captains on, he's a late first round pick. If it is captaincy on, lock away one of those big captaincy pickups and then maybe look to get him on the turn into the second round. Um, Tim, appreciate your thoughts today about Jake Lloyd. No worries, no worries. If you want to go and check out the article on him that's got all the stats, facts, and figures you need to know, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. All the other players revealed of the 50 most relevant you can find while you're there. And it's also got all the links about how you can get some exclusive content and early access to a number of other pieces of information that we're sharing here at the Coaches Panel by joining our Patreon army. It helps support the Coaches Panel. And there's a few bonus things that come your way. Cash leagues, team reveals, and a heap of early access, early access opportunities. Tomorrow we hit the player that lands at number 6 in the 50 most relevant. Who's he going to be? We'll chat to you in less than 24 hours.